The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Y'all good? Good. Hey, let's go 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Y'all can, you can open up to that, but we, we won't really get there for a while. Um, so if I haven't met you yet, my name's Spencer. Um, yeah, so nice to see you guys. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Go Falcons. Uh, some of you guys are like, oh, okay, great. Uh, all right, so we're going to 1 Corinthians 13, but I'm going to be honest. This, uh, this sermon's going in a different direction than I had really prepped for and prayed for for the last week or so. And, man, I, I couldn't stop thinking about what Rob preached about. Remember when Rob preached about David, King David on the rooftop? Y'all remember that story? That, I don't know why, but that's been messing me up. Like, I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about, what is he doing up there? Because this is David, y'all. Like, David, David. The, the one who killed Goliath, you know, the one who's just like, man, nobody had enough faith. Nobody believed the Lord enough. And everybody's scared on the sidelines. And all of a sudden, David comes out. And David believes God, and God delivers the people, and it's just like, David, man, David. And then here he is, and it's just like, King David is sleeping in till noon. He goes out on his rooftop, you know, in these areas where they got flat roofs. He goes out on his rooftop, and he looks out on another rooftop, and there's a lady who's taking a bath on her rooftop. And I, he sees her. And I, I, here's what I couldn't stop thinking about. He is not in love with that woman. Well, last night when these couples were up here, it was just like, man, it was so beautiful listening to their stories because one of the themes that went through both of those couples was they were trying to serve one another. They were, they were looking out for one another. They were wanting the best for one another. I mean, that's what made it so beautiful. They, they really loved one another. And that's what bothered me last night as I was thinking, Man, David didn't care about this lady at all. He didn't know her name. He didn't know her personality. He didn't want to get to know her. He wanted to sleep with her. The end. He's not, he's not in love with this girl. And man, it, obviously then what he does is terrible. Like he takes this lady in and it's, it's clear he does not care about her because basically he sleeps with this girl and then sends her away. And she goes back to her house and he goes back. But Here's the thing, man, like, and obviously what he does to cover it up, it's really awful. Having this guy murdered and then tr trying to get him drunk. Read that story sometime. It's in 2 Samuel. Like, it's, it's a really, really dark story. But what I want to look at is, like, you know, how did David get into this situation? He is the man after God's own heart. He is the literal giant killer. How did he get here on his roof? watching this woman take a bath and thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to sleep with her. He, here's what I want to talk about. Here's what I want y'all to think about. There's a lot of different factors that played into it, but one of them is David believed a lie. He's up on his roof, and he believes a lie. I was talking to Brody uh, right after Rob got done talking, and we're just talking about, do you know that <clears throat> not only was this lady married, but David was married? 
In fact, David at this point had seven wives. Now, we could go into a sidebar on, shouldn't have done that, <laughs> you know. But like, he had seven wives at this time and concubines. If you don't know what that is, it's just, he had extra ladies around to sleep with. And it's just like, he's got all of these ladies. And I, I never really thought about it like this before. Like, he's got all of these wives. Some, I mean, he really loves some of these wives. You think about Abigail and some of these girls. Like, he really loves some of them. And some of them are just around for sex. And it's kind of like this weird situation. But here's the lie. When David got out of, this, out of bed that morning, he probably got out of bed with his wife. One of his wives but he believed a lie. He's got women, he's got love, but he believed a lie. That woman's going to make me happy. He stood up on his roof. He's got a house full of wives that he loves and concubines, all of which this is a wrong situation. God only meant for it to be one man and one woman, but he's standing up on the roof and he thinks, that one's going to make me happy. More specifically, having sex with her is going to make me happy. That's the lie that David believed. Think about it. That's the lie that David believed. That's going to make me happy. Now, in a moment of clarity, David probably would have argued against that. No, that won't make me happy. I mean, like, I can do that anytime I want to with these ladies here. Like, that's not going to make me happy. In a moment of clarity, he could have argued against that. And to be real, if David... Just, this is just speculation. If David had woke up that morning and filled his mind with the truth of God's word, he probably could have combated that lie. But this is a moment of weakness for David. It's a moment of weakness. And that's when the enemies strike. And that's what I want to talk to you all about. Just like, man, we are at war. If you're a Christian, and I'm assuming most in this room are, if you're a Christian, you are at war. With who? Well, seriously, we're at war with the devil, for one. And that's one that when I was, man, a lot of times as soon as people start talking about the devil and like we're at war with the devil, I'm like, all right, man. Yeah, okay, we're at war with the devil. That sounds great. Like, uh, I don't know what to do with that. Like, what am, what am I supposed to do with I'm at war with the devil? Like, I, Like, seriously, how are we at war with the devil? Because the scripture says that he's not only real, but he's really, really active against you. And in our churches, man, we don't talk about the devil. We talk about him if we're reading the Bible. We don't talk about him now. You know what I mean? That's not something we bring up a lot. Like, hey, you better watch out for Satan. But what I'm telling you is he, he's real and he has goals. What the Bible says his goals are, it says that Satan has been a murderer since the beginning. It says that Satan's goals are to steal and to kill and to destroy. It says that he devours souls like a lion, just eating them ravenously. What does he want to destroy? He wants to destroy the church. He wants to destroy unity. He wants to destroy everything beautiful and lovely. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your soul. And it's easy to be like, Psh, whatever, like Satan. He's not paying attention to me because we think we don't see him devouring people's souls. Like, where exactly is he doing this? Here's one thing that came to me. I was reading a book recently, and I thought about this. The devil's primary means of attack is unexpected. Because when we think about Satan coming to attack you, we think about, 
oh, like those times at night when you're in your room and everything feels really creepy and you think, oh man, Satan's about to attack. Man, that's not his main means of attack. Look in the scripture. How does Satan attack people in the scripture? Think about it for a second. Think about it. His primary means of attack is telling lies. That's it. It's telling lies. His secondary means of attack is accusation. Here's how Satan's going to attack you. He's going to fill your mind with lies. And he's going to accuse you. John 8, Jesus is talking about Satan. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. He says this. He's talking to these guys who are, basically he just told them, hey, your father's the devil. And they're like, what the heck? And it says this. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer. He's talking about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's what Satan does, y'all. That's, that's his primary means of attack. Think about it. When Satan comes to Eve in the garden, what does he do? He doesn't come to her and crouch down like, ah, and try to attack her physically. He comes with an idea. He comes with a lie. When Satan attacks, most often it's with words. It's with a lie. Remember, he goes into the garden to Eve, and she's looking at that fruit, and she says, if God, God says, if we eat this, we're going to die. And Satan says this, you're not going to die. That's the attack. It's a straight-up lie. And then on top of that, what he does, and here's where it's really sneaky, is he plays to her desires. He plays to her wants, things that she already wants. He says, you're not going to die, and now he's going to play to her desires. He says this, in fact, when you eat it, you're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil. In essence, you get to call the shots in your life. You're going to be like a God. You get to decide whatever you want to do. It's a lie that plays to her wants. That's how Satan's going to attack you. That's how he wants to devour and destroy you. He's not going to sneak up on you in your room and grab you. He's going to tell you a lie that plays to your wants. What was the lie he told Eve? This is going to make you happy. You eat this fruit, and you're going to be happier. You're going to be happier if you can call the shots in your life. Man, right now, Satan is telling us lies about sexuality. For real, y'all. He's telling you so many lies about sex and relationships and happiness. He's telling you lies about your self-worth. Some of you guys feel worthless because you've believed lies from Satan instead of truth from Scripture. That's how he wants to devour you. He wants to attack the holiness of sex and marriage and attack your self-worth. Isn't that crazy? A lot of times we're believing into it. What lies do we believe about sexuality specifically? That's what this, this retreat is about, pure and holy. What lies have we believed about sexuality? Dude, there are so many lies that we've believed about sexuality. Here, here are a few. Sex only within marriage. Man, that's restricting my happiness. How can you restrict sex just to one relationship? That, man, that's oppressive. It's a lie. Here's some more lies. Sex should be separate from intimacy. It's just fun. You just, it's whatever. Sex should be separated from faithfulness. You, you can have sex with whoever you want to. Here's another lie. I mean, pornography, it doesn't hurt anybody. It's just a natural expression. Here's another one. Your body should be celebrated and shared because you own it. 
You're the king of your body. You can do whatever you want. Here, here's another lie. The only rule on sex should be consent. As long as everybody's cool with it and says, yes, I agree, yes, I agree, then do what makes you happy. I mean, these are lies from Satan about sex that we are starting to believe. Here's the thing. Some of these are outright lies, and some of these are more dangerous because they're half lies. They're half lies. But all of these lies, they accomplish the goal of the devil, which is to eat you, to devour you, to destroy your soul. And you, you've seen that. You've seen how sexual sin wrecks marriages. You've seen that in your church. You might have seen that in your family. You've seen how pornography wrecks image and worth, wrecks people's minds. You, you know the agony. Seriously, I heard a pastor once say this. Uh, everybody north of puberty is a sexual sinner. All right, so we're in good company here. Everybody here is a sexual sinner. You know the agony that sexual sin has caused you personally. You know how it tears you up when you fall into that thing again, when you click on that thing again. Man, you know how those lies destroy you. Now, pause. If you're a Christian, you know Satan can ultimately destroy you. He's already lost. And Jesus has already triumphed over Satan on the cross. He can't, Satan can't make you do anything. But he can tell you lies. Over and over and over. And we talk about spiritual warfare. Man, one of the ways that I've started to think about spiritual warfare is more in terms of lying. Things that you can reject in the middle, in like in the light of day, but in the moment when you're weak, you just like just might believe them. This looks like, all right, how many of y'all have a social media account of some sort? About everybody. All right. Have you noticed that the ads on social media, they target you? Have you noticed that? If you haven't noticed that, you're kind of blind. Like some of y'all are laughing because you're like, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> like, it shows me donuts all day. No, it doesn't. But like, for me, you know, it shows you stuff generally that you like. Here's one weird one, though. I don't know what I've clicked on. I don't know what I've typed in my search engine or what I've said out loud. But my internet thinks that I love houseplants. And I I think, I think I have an appropriate love for houseplants, which is neutral. <laughs> like, they're good. So, like, you, ha you have people at the extreme ends, right? I have a friend. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I have a friend who, in their home, they have 83 house houseplants. It is, it is a jungle in there, for real. Like, like, it's a jungle. It's a rainforest. It is like they have the most pure oxygen on the planet, actually. Like, it's, it, they have more chlorophyll in their living space than anyone. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's tribal. It's, it's wonderful. Now, that's one end of the extreme. I have another friend. He's actually a youth pastor that brings kids to camp who he is deathly allergic to houseplants. Like, he, <laughs> I went to a conference, and he was at this conference, and he was like, he was like, He's got a real raspy voice. He's like, hey, man, I'm staying with my, my, uh, my friend, and they've got a house plant, so I might need to come crash your hotel room. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it'll kill me. And I thought, oh, that's an exaggeration. He probably gets like a little itchy or something. He calls me at 3 in the morning. He's like, get, get, come to your I was like, call 911. What are you doing? And he comes at 3 in the morning. He comes to my hotel room. He's like, thank you. And I, I thought, oh, my gosh, like, who knew this was your Achilles heel? Like, this is your kryptonite. Just put, like, a, 
a little succulent over there, and he's like, <laughs> like, all right, so I'm not on that end of the spectrum. I'm also not on like the circle of life. Like I'm not on that end of the spectrum. I'm like, houseplant's cool. Let's have one. But I don't know why, but the internet thinks I am all about it. So it sends me ads nonstop about hey, check out this cactus. And I'm like, no, I don't want to check out that cactus. And it just keeps on sending me stuff like, have you seen this account on waxy ha houseplants? And I'm like, this is weird. And it just keeps on targeting me with these ads. And I don't click on them because I'm like, whatever. Okay, so here's, here's another one. Uh, we, uh, we were in the market for uh, a projector a while, a while back, like just like a projector for our house because we thought, okay, we're going to put up a sheet in the front yard and we're going to watch movies on the sheet when it's nice and we're going to camp out in the front yard and watch movies. going to be awesome. And so we looked around for a projector for a while and then we decided, you know what? TVs are super cheap. Let's get a TV and we just move that sucker outside if we need to. And we're like, great, great, great. So we looked for a projector for a while and then we, you know, threw it out, whatever. And so then, but then for months and months and months, it started sending my wife like, check out this projector, no, check out this projector, check out this projector, check it, hey, have you seen this projector? And finally, I look at our, at our, uh, at our bank statement one time, and I said, Amy, did you spend $75 on projectors.china, you know, like something like that, and she's like, Okay, it was a moment of weakness, and I bought this tiny projector, and they said it would fit in your hand, but it would show up on a big, like a movie screen, and you could take it anywhere, and it works on Wi-Fi, and it's solar-powered, and it's great. And I was like, Amy. And she's like, no, it's good. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And you know what? That projector never came. It never did. They never gave us a refund. It was one of those, like, don't ever buy anything off of Instagram. That's the rule. That's the rule that you guys need to know. But, like, Amy, like, we, we went through projectors, and we didn't buy one. But you know what the Internet kept doing? It kept targeting, targeting, targeting. It just figured, hey, if we just send them enough ads in line with what they want, they're going to eventually, they'll eventually click on this. Eventually, they'll hit a moment of weakness. That's more what I think about when I think about spiritual warfare. Satan's going to keep telling you lies that are in line with what you want. Over and 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 over. If you don't combat those lies with truth, you will fall. You're going to fall. He's going to tell you lies about sexuality and your self-worth over and over and over and over. And if you aren't fighting back with truth, you're going to fall. Your worldview is going to be warped. He's going to devour you so subtly. Because you not only have the enemy of Satan, you have the enemy of your flesh. There's part of you that's at war with you. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. That's the wants of your body. Abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. That means you are at war with you. That's the second enemy. It's like a one-two punch. Satan's going to tell you lies that line up with your wants, and if you aren't combating it with truth, you're going to fall. Eve, he told her a lie. You're, you're not going to die, and that lie was in line with what she wanted. You're not going to die. This is going to make you happy. Man, because you're a Christian, those of you that are, part of you wants to be holy, but because you're still in this body, part of you does not. 
Be honest. There is a part of you that wants to sleep around, that wants to be unholy. That part of you is the flesh. That's the part of you that's weak. That's the part of you that's susceptible to lies, the part of you that wants to call your own shot. See, if Satan gives you a targeted ad that you don't care anything about, like houseplants, you're like, man, so what? I don't care about that. If Satan tells you, hey, the population of your town is actually 100,000 more than you thought, you'd be like, I don't care. But if he tells you a lie that's in line with what you want, hey, you want happiness? Yeah, we all do. This is going to make you happy. It's a targeted ad to what you actually want. And just like David on the rooftop, Satan lays out lies to you that play to your wants. David gets on the roof and Satan tells him a lie. That is going to make you happy. And inside, David wants to be happy. In a moment of clarity, you could resist Satan's lies. If you fill your mind with truth, you might could resist. But those lies come at such a fast pace and our flesh is weak. The lies about sex that appeal to our wants, they're this. God's restricting your happiness by restricting sex to marriage. That's a lie that appeals to our, to our wants. It's a lie. God's restricting our happiness. Another lie that appeals to our wants Clicking on this is going to make you happy this time. Sleeping with them is going to bring you the love that you want. These are lies that appeal to our wants. They're targeted ads. These are traps. And here's the thing. If Satan were to, like, blast this out in the middle of the day on a you know loudspeaker, man, y'all are probably too young, but when you're little, when I was little, they used to do this test of the emergency broadcast system on your TV, and it'd be like, blah. Blah, your TV, it'd interrupt whatever program you're on. Blah, blah, and it'd be like, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. If this were an actual emergency, it would be followed by instructions. Da, 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 da. If Satan were to come to you and be like, blah, blah, attention, God is restricting your happiness by restricting sex to marriage. Thank you. You'd be like, man, please. That's stupid. Yeah, he doesn't do it overtly like that. He's going to do it real subtly. He's going to tell you these lies via Instagram. He's going to chip away on you little by little by the songs you choose to listen to. He's going to chip at you little by little by the movie you choose to watch, by the series you choose to watch. He's had thousands of years perfecting this algorithm, perfecting this process. He's going to appeal to your wants. Now, here's the other thing he does. He's the liar, but he's also the accuser. And here's where it gets dirty. And some of y'all have fallen into this trap. I know I have. Listen, he's the liar, but he's also the accuser. He's going to sell you on a lie. Hey, if you sleep with that person, if you click on this profile, man, you're going to be so happy. Don't restrict your happiness. He's going to tell you a lie that's in line with your wants. And you're going to be like, yes, I want to be happy. Take me there. And in the moment, you give in. And you realize, shoot. That did not give me happiness. That made me feel worse. You ever been there before? Dude, that, it is so much worse on this side. You know what Satan does next? He's going to accuse you. He's going to say, you know what? You're worthless. I can't believe you clicked on that. I can't believe you slept with them. Well, you're trash. God don't love you. <laughs> He's the one that introduced the idea. And now that you gave in, he's going to be there to accuse you. Y'all, we need to wake up. Don't be deceived. There's so many verses 
on don't be deceived, don't be deceived, don't be deceived, don't be deceived, don't be tricked, don't be lied to. How do we combat the lies? It's with the truth of the word. The truth will set you free. Y'all are getting constantly bombarded by lies about sex and love. You have to combat those lies with truth from God's word. I mean, the creator of sex, the one who thought it up, the origin of love, he tells us the truth about love and happiness. Let me give you one passage about love, all right? I'll just tell you one passage about love. I'm going to try to do this really quick. One passage about love that you need to just, just think about, the nature of love. He's the creator, the, the originator of love and sex and intimacy and happiness. And he's going to tell you the truth of how to get what you really want, how to get there. 1 Corinthians 13. Y'all turn your Bibles there about 15 minutes ago. Here we go. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, have all faith to remove mountains, but I don't have love, nothing. If I give away everything I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned and I don't have love, I gain nothing. What is love? Man, it's everything the world's talking about. It's in our songs, in our movies, in our relationships, in our politics. We're driven by love. But do we really know what it is or have we, have we believed a lie about it? Here's going to describe how love acts. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrong, but it rejoices with the truth. Listen to this about love. Verse 7, love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Y'all, that's the kind of love you want. That's the kind of love we need, man. This love that's resilient, that's tough, that doesn't give up. This love that is like we saw last night with the two couples. This love that serves, that gives, doesn't take. Man, a lot of times when we think about love, especially if you're a teenager, you think romance and compatibility. Or you think happiness and attraction deeper the truth about love is it's more real because he's introducing the concept this agape love of love for nothing in return see a lot of times our concept of love falls short because we believed lies we reduce it down to man romance with someone i'm attracted to is going to make me happy that's not love those may be elements but they're not the core because a lot of times if that's all we believe about love we are looking for something in return Agape love is love for nothing in return. Read this quote. John MacArthur said this. He says, now the world doesn't really understand love at all. When the world says, I love you, what it means is, I love me. I want you. That really is a selfish thing. He tells a story about a girl who's totally despondent. He says, she called up her pastor and said, pastor, what am I going to do? There's a man who loves me so much. He says, if I don't marry him, he's going to shoot himself. And the pastor said to her, don't do anything. Let him shoot himself. He said, such a threat is not love. It's pure selfishness. And he's right. He's not saying, I love you. What he's saying is, I love me, and me needs you. But that's the lie we believe about sexuality. The truth is that love is so much deeper. Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wife. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
giving. Love serves, love gives, love sacrifices. This is not how we naturally think about marriage. He's going to go on and say, man, if you're married, you're one with your spouse. So what's good for your spouse is good for you. You thrive when they thrive. Man, y'all are at the phase where you're looking forward to marriage, some more than others, but like often in the wrong way. I want to get married so it'll make my life complete. It's going to make me happy. This is what I want. But the real truth is love gives, it doesn't take. Verse 8, love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Think about that last verse. This passage I've been talking about, love is kind and patient and resilient and serving. And then he says, when I was a kid, I thought like a kid. But now that I'm a man, I had to put away the kid stuff. Why is the kid stuff in this passage about love? Think about it. When I was a kid, I thought like a kid. How, how does a kid love? Children love something that's lovely. Kids love puppies because they're cute. Who doesn't love a puppy, right? Kid, man, I love this dog. I love that person. They're so nice to me. I love this house. It's so beautiful. I love swimming. It's so fun. Kids love what is lovely. He's saying we need to move past just, I love something for what it gives to me. I'll tell you this story and we're going to be done. I listened to a sermon recently where this pastor was talking about his uncle. And his uncle, man, his uncle had been married to his wife for 50 years. 50 years, y'all, that's a long time to be married. I've been married, me and Amy have been married for 15 years these guys have been married for 50 years happy marriage good marriage hard times good times Man, they've been married for 50 years and after 50 years his wife started developing dementia which means her brain started slipping her mind started slipping to where she eventually like he cared for her in the home for a while and eventually he, she had to be put in another like care facility and she didn't recognize him at all after 50 years of waking up next to each other she didn't even know his face He'd walk in the room, and she'd say, who are you? But every day he'd visit. When she's in this care facility, twice a day he'd visit, and he'd bring her a little bowl of fruit. And she, man, he'd have to reintroduce himself every time, twice a day. Who are you? I'm your husband. And he'd point to their marriage picture, and twice a day he'd tell her about their love twice a day for years he'd repeat it over and over telling about how he loves her telling about trips they'd taken now here's the thing he had nothing to gain out of that she wasn't going to remember it there was nothing lovely or lovable about this woman he wasn't responding to beauty he was bringing it about he was bringing about something beautiful because he's loving with true, godly love for nothing in return. This is real, true, valuable love. Think about it. It mirrors the love Christ had for us. 
God's love for you is like this love, but it's deeper. He loved us when we weren't lovely. He loved us when it cost him everything. He loved us to his own harm. That's the truth. That's the true love that we mirror in relationships. Man, the idea that something is totally unselfish, that's so attractive to us. And the idea that some love will last forever, that's what movies are about. That's so attractive to us. That's because we were built for that sort of love. Not childish that's lovely, so I love it. Not, I, I love me and me needs you. Those are lies that Satan wants you to believe. That's the lie your flesh thinks will make you happy. That sort of love, it just devours. It destroys. We were bought to love like Christ. And our, your future marriage is supposed to mirror Jesus' love. It's supposed to paint a picture and tell the world what, what true love really is like. Let me give you two final points to go home with. <clears throat> Number one, you guys need to discipline yourself to reject lies about sexuality, but a lot, about a lot more, even the attractive lies. Y'all, you are swimming in targeted ads about sex and marriage. You're swimming in it. You need to discipline for y'all. Y'all are fixing to head home. You're fixing to get your phones back. Those of y'all that haven't had your phones, like... You're fixing to jump back on your bus and have access to social media and to the friends that aren't here. You need to discipline your, the members of your body for holiness. Discipline your eyes. What do you look at? What do you click on? What do you read? What articles? What websites? What, what shows do you watch? What lies are those things telling you? You need to discipline your mouth with your words. You need to discipline your ears, the, the conversations you have, the podcasts you listen to. You need to discipline your feet where you go. Discipline your hands. You need to discipline your mind to take thoughts captive. Here's the thing. You need to recognize these lies coming. And the main way you do that is point number two. Second point to take home. How do you fight against the lies of Satan? The truth. Y'all, you need to study your Bible. If I know this sounds like, hmm, that's a weird way to end a sermon. No, it's the most practical thing I can tell you. You need to fill your mind with the truth of Scripture or your mind will be filled with cheap lies. For real. You're going to believe lies about sexuality and happiness. This is going to be targeted at you nonstop. It's going to be in line with your wants. I want to be happy. I want to feel love. Lies are going to be coming. You need to combat them with truth. They're going to tell you lies about your self-worth. Y'all need to study the scripture. Man, think about maybe, I don't know, maybe if David had been in the word that morning, he wouldn't have believed Satan's lie that afternoon. I don't know. Maybe not. But we know that the truth of God's word is going to push out the lies. Truth from God's word is going to shine light on Satan's accusations. Because some of y'all have been beat up by the accuser. I'll tell you this, we've all messed up sexually. Everybody past puberty. So don't listen to the accuser. If you're in Christ, you are not a failure. If you're in Christ, you are not trash. God does love you. His grace is stronger than those lies. The author of love is stronger than that. John 10, this is the verse I'm going to end with, and we're going to pray and then sing. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review 
And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.